Hey there, fellow travelers of the Junlin Wastes. Mark back here again for the Traveling the Junlin Wastes podcast, the TJW podcast for November 21st, 2023. I hope everybody's having a really good day this week. And uh, we're going to be talking about, again, we're back here talking about the NPR radio dramas. Today, we're going to be talking about episode four in the Star Wars radio drama. This one is called While Giants Mark Time. But uh, before we get into our little discussion here about that episode, I just wanted to, uh, to, to, to mention one other thing, which I found uh, pretty, pretty, pretty fun to watch. Uh, if you go to your Facebook Reels and you look up uh, a profile called Figure Brian, uh, Figure Brian put together uh, no, just a couple seconds worth, when I say maybe 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds worth of footage of Hayden Christensen and Rosario Dawson behind the scenes in the Ahsoka series as they're uh, practicing their lightsaber skills and they're working with Dave Filoni. Um, the reason why I'm mentioning this, I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast episode, I can't remember, but I just wanted to mention it again. If you find this uh, this very short uh, video, uh, it's, it's, it's a really nice compilation about I, what I feel is really great about Star Wars. Uh, it's fun to see Rosario, who is fairly new to the uh, to the Star Wars universe here, uh, with her first season of Ahsoka and for those uh, those appearances that she had on the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. But then you have uh, Hayden, you know who you know he is, Anakin Skywalker from Episode Two and Episode Three, and uh, reprising his role as Anakin in the Ahsoka series here. He also played Vader in uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi series, uh, but. What really struck me about this video is just seeing how much fun Hayden and Rosario are having there on the set uh, with Dave Filoni as as they're practicing their lightsaber moves and and I guess uh, you know getting getting ready for for a scene. But uh, it was just one of those things that I that saw briefly and uh, I saved it on my Facebook because uh, it was just so much fun to see there. I mean, it, it, I could see where. When the scene cuts, they they give each other hugs and high fives, and you just see how much camaraderie and how much friendship and uh, good vibes you get by watching uh, this video. I will say as well too, uh, you know, figure Brian put together this video along with the song called uh, "Until I Found You" by Steven Sanchez, which is a you know, lovely song as as well as his entire album. Often, of, you know, it's a fairly new album, Angel Face. So uh, if you want to get it, I'm sure you can find it anywhere. But uh, that song, Until I Found You, uh, really, really, I thought, worked well with these, <laughs> these uh, short cutscenes on, the, on, on this video. So um, I have it on my Facebook. Uh, you could probably find it there. Or I could probably uh, post it as well, too, on the TJW Facebook page so that you can uh, take a look at it. But uh, here, I'll, I'll play it for very quickly so you can, you know, get an, give you an idea. And there's Rosario standing there looking at him. And they're giving high fives and hugs to each other. And uh, they're just like having such a great time on the set there. They're taking selfies with Dave Filoni. And you can see Hayden is discussing stuff with Dave Filoni back and forth. And gosh, one of the things I just noticed about Hayden watching this quick, uh, like I said, this quick video is just how much incredible muscle memory this guy has when it comes to lightsaber dueling uh, in the Star Wars universe. He really, uh, you know, loves working with this character of Anakin Skywalker and knows that he has to be able to be really perfect when it comes to his lightsaber skills in order to be true to this character here. So, uh, 
you know, it's, 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 you know, you, you look deeply into some of these things a little bit too much, but, at the, but I feel that that is one of the, one of the items that really, you know, made Ahsoka work here with her, um, you know, reunion with, with Anakin, uh, just having all those, you know, you know, eyes dotted and, and T's crossed so that, you know, that Anakin Skywalker is, is a full, you know, full Anakin Skywalker here on, on that series. So, um, I'll post that onto the TJW Facebook page, or you can take a look at my Facebook page, and you can see that short uh, little video by Figure Brian. And thank you very much to Figure Brian for putting it up for all our enjoyment. Let's now get to into what we're well, get to the real stuff here. Now we're talking about the Star Wars NPR radio dramas. Uh, continuing our journey with Episode Four here, while giants mark time. Uh, the story picks up here, you know, the space battle has been fought, Leia has been captured by Vader, and the droids are going to be sent to the surface of Tatooine. Um, as the episode opens, you know, it's great to hear the music of the Junlin Wastes as the droids exit the pod. Uh, yes, it's, it, it is, it is the, uh, the Junlin Wastes, uh, opening, but at the same time, obviously, it, it, it's the music from where we see 3PO walking in that vast desert, uh, in the movie. Um, Anthony Daniels just does another amazing job of painting the picture of that desolate wasteland that they are they are on and seeing and, and talking out uh, what their options are going to be. Do we go this way? Do we go that way? Uh, maybe there's settlements over there. Um, such a great combination. I've said this before about some about the other episodes in regards to Tatooine, but such a great combination of sounds for, for Tatooine here. Uh, you hear the wind, you hear the mechanical movement of the droids, the music and the dialogue and the scene just, just meshes so beautifully. Uh, it's, it's fun too also to hear C-3PO having a little bit of a meltdown, not knowing uh, what to do. Uh, we do see uh, C-3PO kick uh, R2-D2 in the movie. Um, it says, you know, you know, you know, something derogatory to him and gives him a kick and then he walks off. But here in the uh, in the radio drum, it sounds as if he gives him like a really good kick. <laughs> it's hard to off in the other direction. Sounds sounds much more forceful than in the movie. R two D two and C three PO, you know, they they head off in opposite directions, and the scene transitions to uh, a later moment in time with the uh, the sand troopers there investigating the uh, the escape pod there on the Junlin wastes. Uh, it, it, it's a fun short scene. You can hear the troops moving around. You hear their footsteps a little bit. You hear the mechanized uh, radio uh, talk between some of the troopers. Uh, but you also hear the nervousness of the officers who are down there as well, too, who have been sent by Vader to find, you know, the plans. Vader suspects droids were sent down. They have the plans. Go find them. So uh, you hear that nervousness in, in the officers that they can't fail here. They got to do this. So uh, this scene evokes a lot of memories for me personally, uh, partially because uh, in the special edition of A New Hope that came out in, you know, 97 or so, uh, there is much more robust set of images that we are treated to in this scene. Um, if you remember from like, you know, the original, original uh, cut that was shown in 1977 that you could still get on, that, that were re-released on, on DVD in 2004, um, you don't see too many troops. 
Uh, the dewbacks aren't really moving around. But here in the special edition, you get all of that. You get more troops. You see the dewbacks moving around with the troopers. We see that. I love the. I love seeing the imperial shuttle just lifting off of the sands there. And this contrasts uh, the the original way that it appeared in the non-special edition, if I want to call it that, uh, which we did not have as many troops and dewbacks, and it wasn't as lifelike. Uh, this scene also is illustrated as well too by the great Star Wars artist Dave Dorman. Uh, you gotta check it. Check if you've never seen this uh, this image that he did. He did a great take of this image with, with you know full special edition with the troopers, the shuttle, the dewbacks, uh, all the sand troopers, and uh, all of this is said to say that when I listen to this part of the radio drama, I have such a plethora of images and views of this scene and it really sparks my imagination it's really one of my uh, favorite parts of the special edition uh, version of a new hope and uh, i think they do a pretty good job here on the radio drama portraying that uh, i like how the, the the trooper bangs against the pod to say like you know hey do you see anything in there bang 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 and you can hear the hollow metal sound uh, and then they discover it. They, they say, oh, look, here is a, uh, a piece of a droid. It is droids. That's what we got to be heading down. There's this footprints, and we got to go follow it. So um, as that transitions out of that, 3PO adds more dialogue. As we transition back to 3PO, more dialogue as he treks through the sands of Tatooine, through the sands of the Junlin Wastes. He, uh, he sees, obviously, the, start, the, the sand crawler, and the scene opens up to another scene, which we don't see in the movie, and that is the encounter of C-3PO and the Jawas. Uh, it's funny how he, he starts waving his arms, you know, over here, over here, they must, they, they, they probably have oil and lubricants that I could use because my, 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 my gyros are all filled up with sand. Um, it's pretty, it's sort of humorous how 3PO thinks he's going to be saved. And Anthony Daniel does a great job of, of expressing that in his dialogue. Uh, really cool hearing the uh, the sand crawler roll on its way to him. The engines, and you hear the ramp opening, uh, and the Jawas chattering to each other. Uh, <laughs> it's it's and, and 3PO does a nice job of describing this scene in a way that isn't too much like sounding like someone who is thinking out loud. Um, but it has to be done in this type of a situation. 3PO is the only one who's t who can talk, and if you're having a radio drama, uh, you can't really use the sound effects to, to explain it, and unless you had a narrator, which would take you completely out of, I think, the uh, the scene here, uh, 3PO has to do it, has to have his dialogue in a way that sounds uh, that sounds real. And I think he does a really good job, and that, that that's a great credit to uh, Brian Daly, who wrote the script here. Um, really funny how, uh, you know, when, when, when he is finally, like, you know... Uh, captured swept up one other part of that which is i thought really funny is how 3po is like stand under a conduit here and as the jawas start to giggle a little bit he gets sucked up into that big huge uh, vacuum that took r2d2 in the uh, in the movie um <laughs> really funny hearing how he asks about uh, r2 and he, he he gives away uh r2's location he asks them have you seen my counterpart like I said, it's 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 funny hearing C-3PO going, he, it's just another snafu on a snafu. He, he gives away R2's location, saying he's there's, there's another droid out there for them to look for. Uh, 3PO doesn't realize he's getting captured, they're not really going to help him. And uh, he gets, like I said, he gets swept up in that big vacuum, and, and, and that's that. Um, 
after two episodes of uh, the radio drama, we, or I should say, after you know we saw Luke in the first uh, episode of the radio drama, there was two episodes without him, and he's back again here with his family uh, at the homestead. Uh, Luke is reintroduced into this scene here by uh, you know you know talking to Uncle Owen, and it's sort of funny listening to him how he talks to his grumpy his grumpy old Uncle Owen when it comes to uh, to droids. Um, you know, he got, he is such a grump, even when, and, and it's tough too for Luke, because I think Luke gives the suggestion that, uh, you know, maybe we, we should find more droids, and Owen's like, well, it costs too much money, it's not that, maybe if we just do some hard work, finally Luke is able to convince him to, to do that, so Owen tells him, you know, send out a signal flare, and, and, and maybe a draw sand crawler will be passing by. So back on the Sandcrawler, three PO is there, and he's feeling overwhelmed by all the junk and the droids, and eventually sees that R two was picked up by the Jawas. And three PO admits to giving away the directions that R two was heading to the and to the Jawas, but somehow the droids forgive each other, and uh, they wait to see what lies ahead. Interesting how Brian Daly, the the writer of uh, the script here, switched the scenes in this part of the story. In the movie, we watch as R2-D2 is captured in that rocky valley, but in the radio drama, it is 3PO that we hear about getting captured. Uh, more than likely, it was because 3PO can actually speak uh, and, and, and speak out the description of what is going on with the creatures who don't speak uh, English or basic. Uh, in R2, he's unable to, to, to speak basic as well, and uh, it's a nice solution to a problem, but in fact adds another layer of interest when listening to the radio drama, because we never see really how did, how did, uh, you know, what happened when C-3PO got, got captured by the, uh, by, by the Jawas. We saw what happened with, with R2, and that plays out beautifully in the movie, but uh, it probably wouldn't have played out as well on the radio drama, and I think switching it up and, and, and showing the capture of 3PO as opposed to R2 was a really good idea. Uh, 3PO, like I said, he becomes the narrator of this opening part uh, with the Jawas. R2 and the Sandcrawler, uh, right up there, are put out, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're traveling along the Sandcrawler, and they, they know they're going to be put out for the, uh, the Jawa yard sale at the Lars homestead. So we hear Owen, you know, as the Sandcrawler, you know, parks and they've taken out the droids, you know, we hear Owen barking back and forth with the Jawas, um... It's almost like listening to people who go to some of these like sports card shows, which I tend to, which I really like to go to, and some people can get a bit a bit testy when bargaining for a, for a good card or a good collectible. Uh, it just reminded me a little bit about this. You hear him barking back and forth while the Jawas are, are chirping away. Uh, while all this is going on, we hear three PO describing the scene to uh, to to you know a bit more with him reprimanding uh, R two D two. For, for some reason, he's modifying the droid next to him named R5-D4 without permission. And, 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 and he, he reprimands him for that. He says, R2, you're not supposed to be modifying droids without permission. Uh, this has to be one of those scenes that at first was uh, written up as a, a coincidence. I'm not sure how much uh, George Lucas thought about this situation. But I think he thought of it probably more as a coincidence uh, in the movie. R5's motivator implodes just as Luke is about to take him back to the Tech Dome with uh, 3PO. Uh, but when uh, R5's motivator blows up, you know, he uh, he says, you know, 3PO convinces him to take R2-D2. Uh, in a in the book called A Certain Point of View, which they which is a, a collection of short stories about uh, different different parts of the original trilogy that you don't see in the actual movie itself, 
the one that came out for A New Hope a couple of years ago, uh, somebody does a short story, a short canonical story about this incident where R2 is uh, standing next to R5-D4, and somehow between the two droids who are speaking to each other, they make the agreement that R5 is going to uh, allow R2 to mess up his motivator so that R2 can fulfill his mission for the Rebellion. And it's a very noble thing that R5-D4 does, because uh, you, you you think to yourself, okay, it's just a a, a droid, a, a a you know a, an inferior droid which blows up and is replaced with R two D two, but the story gives a lot of depth actually to R five D four, and interestingly, we see R five D four become a bit of a hero in that third season of The Mandalorian. So uh, good for R five D four for uh, sticking out there all those years and being able to. Uh, finally uh, get 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 that hero status in that third season of The Mandalorian. Uh, the voice actor for Owen does a really good job of making him sound annoyed and grouchy and, and really concerned about purchasing uh, new droids. Uh, the scene continues on pretty much like the movie until they get to, uh, to the tech dome. Uh, Luke starts to clean up the droids. They ask him what plinth they are on. Luke says Tatooine, and interestingly, though, Luke doesn't call Tatooine by name in the in the movie, but he does in in the radio drama here. Uh, Luke sees the carpet scoring on R2, and he can tell that he's been in a battle, which 3PO uh, goes on to tell him they were on a ship that that was attacked. Luke was able to from this to confirm uh, what he saw in that first episode of the radio drama of those ships in the outer atmosphere having a space battle. Uh, from there, we get that famous scene of Luke uh, triggering that famous hologram of Princess Leia and her "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, or my only hope" message which 3PO dismisses as a malfunction and, and old data. Uh, because of the confidential instructions given by Leia and Captain Antilles, 3PO cannot tell Luke that she is the one who sent them on the mission to get to Tatooine and to find Kenobi. Uh, which is, you know, that is an interesting bit of information that we get from the radio drama that we wouldn't really have gotten from, from the movie itself. Maybe it was in the uh, the novelization. I'm not sure. I don't. I, I can't remember. I haven't read the novelization of Episode Four in the longest time. But uh, it's just one of those those things that you find out a little bit more here in the radio drama in that about why 3PO didn't say anything about uh, having seen Leia, worked with Leia, been on her ship. Uh, it's just because of the fact that Leia gave the instructions that that you know com completely confidential. Get to Kenobi. Get the get him back to Alderaan with the plans. Uh, the city, the, the scene here, you know, matches up pretty much with what we see in the movie, as well as the uh, the soundtrack and the sound effects work really well here. R two D two tricks Luke to having him take off that restraining bolt, and Luke leaves R two in the tech dome while he goes to have dinner with his family. R two then, you know, he's got that uh, restraining bolt off. He's heading off to find Obi-Wan, leaving 3PO with his restraining bolt on in the tech dome. Uh, the scene transitions back to that kitchen table where the Lars is having another expanded scene from the movie. And I think this, this scene here also gives a little bit more depth to the understanding of that strained relationship Luke has with his aunt and uncle. More so his, his uncle than his aunt. But, uh, you know, as, as he's talked to his uncle, he says, you know, I was cleaning these droids up and... Uh, 
and he got a message here talking about a Kenobi, and he wants to know if this, uh, you know, this Obi Wan Kenobi is related to Ben Kenobi, and uh, it startles Uncle Owen because he probably hasn't heard this name since uh, since we <laughs> since probably the last time when uh, we, we we saw him, uh, you know, have an interaction with Kenobi during uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Um. Owen tries to skim over this. I mean, it startles Owen to hear Kenobi's name again, and he tries to skim over the Kenobi comment. Tells Luke, just go have the droid's memory flushed. Let's move on. Gotta get them to work so that we can uh, move on with life here. Uh, Owen gets angry again with Luke when he mentions uh, going to the Academy. He's like, Luke, I need help. We can just last one more season here. Can you wait till at least the harvest is done? And, uh... Luke gets annoyed. He's like, it's a whole other season. That's a famous line that Luke says. Gets frustrated, storms out, leaving Owen and Baru uh, in a very tense situation as they're sitting there with their, uh, you know, their dried fruit or whatever <laughs> mush they she was able to put together in that uh, contraption, in, as you see in the movie. Um, Baru, you know, Baru says, you know, we can't. he can't live here forever, Owen, and uh, he has too much of his father in him. Now, in the movie, Owen responds by saying that, you know, that's that's what I'm afraid of. Here, when Baru says, sort of similar, he says, you know, we can't live his life for him, Owen. Owen responds, I only wish I could, Baru. I only wish I could. Which, you know, the question is, I was having in my mind, what is a better line? Is it a better line saying that he wishes that he could have, you know, more influence on what Luke decides he wants to do, or is it a better line to go back to saying that he, he he's turning too much, turning into too much like his father? Um, I go back and forth. I've been going back and forth on this in my head and over the last day or so about this, but uh, I, I'm not sure which one would be the better line. I'm, I'm for some reason I am itching towards the movie, but then again I come back and I say, well, that radio drama line is really interesting. Uh, what do you think about that? Send me a message on the uh, the Traveling Adrenaline Waste podcast Facebook page. I'd be curious to see which line you think is better. Uh, Luke gets back to the tech dome after he storms off from the kitchen table and is told that R2 has left and that they can't uh, look for him in the night because it's, it's too dangerous. So 3PO and Luke scheme to leave early in the morning to search for R2. And of course, you know, 3PO, you know, he wants to encourage Luke. He says, I'm sure we'll recover him and then your troubles will be solved. And Luke responds... Somehow, I think I'm only going to get a new set of troubles. And then the scene fades off in the end with the narrator speaking over this ominous music that was played while on the Death Star in, in A New Hope. Uh, like I said, it's one of those inst instances where the soundtrack is from a different part of the movie, but it works really well here to conclude this uh, fourth episode of the uh, NPR radio dramas here. Um, we can all tell that the story is going to make a, a, a good shift here in, in the next episode. And I like how the narrator says at the end, Across the desert lies the enigma of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Tomorrow will be a day like no other in Luke Skywalker's life. So uh, you can tell already that they're prompting us that these next episodes coming up, we're, we're going to making a good shift here in the story. You know, we've set this up, but now we're going to get some, some good action coming. So, um, interesting episode, While Giants Mark Time. Some other observations I had about this. It's pretty unique how Anthony Daniels carries this episode for a good 15 minutes or so, along with the sound effects and the soundtrack. I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty significant. 
but like I said, I, I I think this is Anthony Daniels' like, you know forte. He 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 is great with with dialogue. He's great with speech, and he does it very very well for this episode. Um, it may be this episode. You know, I thought this is not the most exciting episode in the Star Wars uh, NPR radio drama. But, uh, you know, it's obviously these scenes are, are necessary to move our, our story along. Um, it was good to hear Mark Hamill again. We heard him at the beginning in episode one, but we uh, did not get any of Mark Hamill in two or three. And he's back here in episode four. Uh, and it's the first time he and Anthony Daniels are, are sharing dialogue on the radio drama. So that was, that was fun to hear them interacting. Uh, I think my favorite part of this episode, though, is when we are back there at the Lars kitchen table and hearing that strained conversation between uh, between Luke and Owen. Um, it was always one of those things that when I would watch the movie, I, I just couldn't tell why they were so at odds with each other. There just wasn't enough time to probably develop that story. And between the first episode of the NPR radio dramas and this one here... Uh, I think it fills in a little bit about uh, their, their the tension that they have and the reason why later on Luke is going to be feeling so much guilt about uh, when, when, when his uh, aunt and uncle pass away. Um, it's sort of interesting now that we have to, have to how, it's, it, that we have seen now how determined Owen was to protect Luke in the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus and because you see how, like I said, committed to it, he isn't there and he's still fulfilling that duty even up until this point when Luke is probably 18 or 19 years old. Uh, I like the line he says about how he wishes he could live Luke's life for him as I'm thinking about this, you know, um, like I said, it's a little different from from that. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of in the movie. Uh, but you know, I think both lines are great. At the same time, I haven't decided which one I like better. Uh, those are just some of the thoughts I had here today on the Traveling the Gentleman Waste podcast review of the fourth episode of the Star Wars NPR radio dramas while giants mark time. How are you enjoying going through the Star Wars NPR radio drama? Are you re-listening to those episodes and then going on to the podcast? Are you just listening to the podcast? Uh, let me know what, you, what what's going on with you uh, and in our journey here through these uh, radio dramas. Send me a message on the Facebook page. I would love to hear from you. Uh, and But that is all for now. I'm hoping to throw in another episode uh, before Turkey Day comes rolling around. But until then, I hope everybody has a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Have a good one, all.